0: Check, 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 check. Hell of a check. Thank you. All right. So this is our first episode of Lost in the Deep End. Lost Mm. in the Deep End. I like it, man. I I feel like I like to go in deep on certain topics. I like anything, whatever it is, I want to get into the deep end about (laughs) it. Immediately, right away. That's like, I feel like that's like a... um, a good, a good way. That's like a very specific thing that is me. Definitely. So, if you don't know, I am Mike Turpin, and I am Matt Bressley. Yes, and this is our first episode of Lost in the Deep End. I want to get pretty into it. Definitely, my, my the way I envision doing this podcast is not spending much time bullshitting in the beginning, like I have a lot of podcasts in the past. So, you know, instead of spending a lot of time, but the first one, we'll take a few minutes, just kind of introduce our our general idea here. But I'd say by the the five-minute mark, six-minute mark, let's get right into what we want to talk about, and uh, they can learn us as we go if they don't know us. (laughs) But uh, essentially, I just think that until we get guests, we're just going to kind of talk pretty deeply on a topic, kind of... uh, go in hard on something. And, and as it is, we continue to have this podcast, we'll have guests where we talk specifically on certain things. And I know we had mentioned, I like the idea of this. So, you know, um, obviously I'm pretty influenced by by Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. He has certain episodes that are like the MMA show, JRE mm-hmm. MMA number, you know, and so it's like a separate thing, but it all, it all releases under the same umbrella. Right. So I was thinking if we do... Music album review episodes, which is something we've talked about, instead of funneling it through a whole separate separate podcast... It's all just one podcast
1: with like different series. Or like... Right,
0: right. So it could be each, you know, you, there, there'll there probably be maybe like three or four categories of episodes or maybe we'll have like min, mini bonus stuff to funnel that sort of thing instead of it being separate shows because that's A, a headache and B, it like distances our reach. Yeah. So because I, when I subscribe to a podcast, it's no big deal to see one pop up that I don't want to listen to. Yeah, you can always just skip that one or like. Yep. So that that's what I was thinking. Obviously, we might do some jujitsu stuff. Matt is a uh musician and, mm-hmm. and, and and probably get a good bit of music conversation going. Um and yeah, that that's pretty much it. The the first thing we wanted to talk about or I thought of talking about for the first episode was just generally I don't know if this is something you think about. Do you think about what makes you the way you are much? Yeah,
1: definitely. I
0: do. Like you wonder, like, where's your inspiration? Where does your muse come from? Or do you ever recognize heavy elements of I think I'm very influenced by this or like this person or this moment in history or something like that? Do you think about that? A little bit. You're Maybe about not to as much as <laughs> you do. You're, I'm, you're definitely about to think about shit like that because <laughs> that is a direction I'm going to take this thing. Um So, uh, you, like, like I'll give you a couple examples for me, and then I'm going to pick your brain yeah, on cool. something. So, you know that that I like that band, Dog Fashion Disco. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you, you know the band or not out there. But there's this band dog fashion disco and I grew up seeing them a lot. They were a local band, but they toured nationally, but they happened to be from Baltimore, so I saw them all the time. And when I found that band, they were like the perfect blend of like catering to the type of gothic sort of themes that that i was into or like that sort of scene the alternative wild scene and they also kind of played to the dynamic personality of we're gonna play any genre of music it might sound like a totally different band one track to the next and something they did that other experimental bands didn't do much of was they they were kind of all killer no filler like that there's no there's nothing that's overly difficult there's nothing that's just like Senseless, or I wouldn't say aimless, but there's there's a, a lot of experimental bands have maybe a quarter of an album where it is almost like the structure has gone. And it, yeah, definitely, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, what would you say? It's like uh it's just non-accessible, difficult.
1: Yeah, it's hard difficult. to listen to a lot of times because it, yeah, it's just like weird, just too out there. Right, right. Their stuff really isn't too out there. It's just a lot of different stuff, like in, in very different styles. Absolutely.
0: So that that to me, dude, and I think about it, like, was I a lot like that before I got into this band? Was, I mean, because it was so much my thing, dude. I mean, it was almost right. corny, but my AIM instant messenger thing, you know, I found <laughs> him in like ninth grade, yeah. was DFD fan <laughs> 110. To this day, I use DFD mic on stuff, you know. <laughs> um, it's silly, but it's just something yeah. I've done. So I wonder, you know, is this something how much of this came from being a fan and and being influenced because I'm a very influenced person. Yeah. I'm very it's very easy for me to want to be more like things that I like, want to be more like people that I like in, in a way that uh Might not come off as like maybe being totally like copying them, like some people do, but it probably did initially. It's just I've kind of it's gotten to the point where it no longer seems like imitation, you know, fake it till you make it, kind of. But I, I that's a good example. Like here's this crazy band; they had the craziest concerts, and I wonder how different I would be if I wasn't a part of this scene. I mean, all the shows just. Just the, the extreme level I was willing to have fandom for yeah. something. The, the level in which I was able to respect and g- deeply. Like, you know, we talk about going to the deep with things. Like, I, I thought about it very, very deeply. There was nothing surface level about the way I connected. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I say this to you a lot. Like, we'll meet people in the music scene. Uh, we have a friend. You, you'll know who I'm talking about. And he told us his favorite band. And this is a guy who makes music. You know where I'm going with this, right? So his favorite band is Alice in Chains. Well, you mentioned Don't Follow, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. Or one of us did.
1: Yeah, I I mentioned that song to him because I thought he could sing it pretty well.
0: Right. And he didn't even know what it was. Now, I get if you don't know every single song from a band or whatever, but this guy had never even listened to the album's of his favorite band like you don't have the time you're a musician and you don't have the time to appreciate and respect and try to absorb and 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 sort of um, I don't know it's almost like giving back dude like yeah, yeah. sometimes I'll listen to albums by my favorite bands that I don't even like like just to take a moment to appreciate them and like somebody's got to listen to it, you know, show some support. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like I I try to be very supportive um, in that way. So it was weird to me, this guy who is a musician who says he's totally inspired by Alice in Chains. And it's like, wow, they're your favorite band. And we know more about Alice in Chains than you do. Like some people don't know what it's like to be a fan of things right yeah so we're talking music is there a musician well this is an easy one you play guitar is there a guitarist or or a band that if you had never heard play you probably would sound very different man i
1: honestly probably red hot chili peppers and john Frusciante because they were like probably my first influence into uh into that into like when i was first starting to play guitar that was like my biggest influence and so that probably shaped the way I play guitar a lot. And I was really into John Freshande's solo albums, too. So that probably even shaped the way I wrote lyrics. That was like when I started getting into like thinking about lyrics and deeper like stuff and poetry kind of stuff. So oh, okay. I think that probably shaped a lot of who I am. Another one is um actually the front bottoms because...
0: I've never heard the front bottoms. Yeah, it's You've never mentioned that to me. <laughs> really, um, I have played I a couple
1: you. of their songs before, but it's um they're like indie uh, emo kind of alternative. They're they're kind of like a more acoustic version of like Blink One Eighty Two hmm. in the way they sound, but their lyrics are a lot a lot better, I think, and that really influenced better than Blink. Yeah, I I don't want to compare them to Blink because Mm. I feel like that's. But the the vocalist kind of sounds like them, and they're like they're definitely like pop punk influence. But they like with really like sad kind of lyrics, just really real like raw emotion. And also their singer is not the the best. He's not like a skilled singer. But when I listened to him and I connected to him, I was like, oh, I could actually do this. You don't have to be the best singer in the world to actually. To be good at it, as long as you connect with your fan base or connect to anyone, it it makes it worth it.
0: That is something that both you and I strongly share similarity to, is our love and adoration for singers that people would not think are singing Mm -hmm. well.
1: Honestly, even John Frusciante... um he has a kind of weird voice. I think he's a little more skilled, but it's definitely an acquired taste. A lot of people on his solo stuff, I've showed a lot of people his stuff and they've been like, oh, he doesn't really sing well, does he?
0: And it's so funny, dude, because that that must just be a sensibility. Either I'm sensitive to the things that they do that other people don't and I mm-hmm. like it, or I, I'm missing a sensibility to recognize <laughs> it as bad, dude. Because when I listen to the John Frusciante, the, the guitarist of Red Hot Chili right. Peppers, has solo albums, uh, for those of you who don't know, and... Did I say his name right? Is it yeah, Frishanth? Frishan- Frishan- I Frishan- Frishan- think so. I don't, yeah. <laughs> well... I'm thinking holy crap this is a dynamic singer like he sounds different yeah, I yeah. like that he has like different or whether you call it registers or tones he makes his voice right. sound like that's different instruments true. that's yeah. my favorite thing dude I love that dynamic I he do, he actually does some crazy stuff with his voice love and, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> he covers so many genres and a lot of it despite his good guitar playing a lot of what makes his music interesting to me is the individual characters that he sort of embodies vocally mm-hmm. yeah, right? yeah yeah yeah
1: so uh honestly to me and his in his solo work it, i like i like the guitar work but it's not what stands out to me like the guitar works cool and i love the solos but it's really the the songwriting and like you said the the singing and the lyricism all that is really what what it what captures me
0: he's my kind of poetic yeah he's exactly. a good type of poetic yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's like that typical singer songwriter attraction is a, that, 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 lyric sometimes. Um, so yeah, yeah. Musically, that's a big thing for me. I, I haven't really discovered anything yet musically that I could say if it wasn't for this band, because I haven't really discovered myself yet <laughs> as a musician uh, you know, we, we play together and I'm still very new. It's actually, that's like a funny, we should just cover that real quick as a backstory is that the way we met is at the open mic I go to. Now, when we talk about bad singers and we talk about like bad whatever, when I first started, you don't see many people walking up on that stage who are as bad as I was. Nope, You never do. (laughs) Never. You never do. Most people don't have the guts to go up there if they're not good. (laughs) Yeah, like there's that one dude. Like there's a guy who is, I wouldn't even call him high functioning. Joe, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah good guy I'm not, oh, I'm yeah, not yeah, talking yeah. trash but uh no yeah but I mean he is he I think some I think he gets rides there and mm-hmm. he he and he is he has a much better like where he was when I started was so much better yeah, he's, than what I was doing he's not bad he's, he's
1: definitely more polished and he has he's definitely been doing it a while like you can tell he's like yeah. got a good grasp on what he's doing
0: right but it's just a little bit embarrassing you yeah, know? yeah yeah it's kind of like his,
1: his voice is a little like, But like you know, yeah. what
0: I mean is it, it's embarrassing for me I mean you could see how it would be embarrassing to not be as good as, as that guy oh
1: yeah 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 definitely yeah yeah, De- yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely yeah exclamation uh, point so uh, I could see how it's embarrassing to be like by far the like the worst person at the like yes it's so, like not even a competition like but yeah
0: when you, and, and to talk about like intimidating when we first started man <laughs> it's like and this is because this can tie into influence because like what. There are things in my life that have influenced me to to be the person that doesn't necessarily care about the humility that is involved in this where a lot of artists maybe are are more nervous for that sort of humility. So like mm-hmm. uh you know I wasn't overly worried about it, but yeah, w- when I first started at that open mic, if you recall, There was a professional band that opened up and then they just said, all right, coming up next. And I would follow a professional act. And they, they are, dude, Zach's band was so tight sounding. They were really good. And, and he didn't even acknowledge that it was an open mic. Never did Was he like, Hey, it's an open mic, whatever. He just was like, what, what he just was like up next. (laughs) <laughs> Mike you know come on up here and then I almost wanted to tell him hey just so you guys know this is an open mic this is not a professional yeah. music night We're I'm not a paid performer I'm very new at this you know I I just wanted to I never really said it but I mean it was something else well anyway I did an Alice in Chains song one of the first times you saw me maybe mm-hmm. the second time you saw me and I did Nutshell by Alice yep. in Chains and you came up to me afterwards and you said that you knew that's you knew the lead for that song. For some reason, I thought you said you played it with your dad, but I misheard you. <laughs> so you said you knew the lead for that song, and you asked uh, if you if you wanted to play it next time or if you could play the lead to mm-hmm. it. And I was essentially like, "Well, as long as you can play to what you just heard, like you're not playing to nutshell. So if that seems like you can do it." And then I think every time from then out that yeah we played together I yeah think. <laughs> I've only been there maybe twice when you aren't yeah, there yeah. since then and that if I if I recall correctly that's probably going on like a year and a half ago
1: yeah um, yeah actually it's probably two years ago wow I, it, I think it was yeah two years ago
0: yeah if not uh, damn damn near close to two yeah. years ago so uh, and. I'll, I'll talk, and, and let's see, we'll kind of play this both ways as far as maybe dealing with the shame and humility of uh, early stages or or the nerves of performing for mm-hmm. the first time. But I have a, an extensive history uh, performing just from like drama in school. Uh, I've played sports growing up. So you're used to, you know, having the risk of people see you yep. play poorly, which is I know you've played uh, some sports. Yep. And I did, I've done competitive stuff like, um, competitive performance shit, which is a bit different. Like slam poetry, Mm. rap battles, you know, that, that really, well, number one, your opponent's goal is to try to tear you apart to shreds. (laughs) You're already out of your element. You're like the, the most vanilla, like, and just like, kind of not, not geeky, but in that, that scene, dude, where I was going to do rap battles. I was a target in ways. So, <laughs> yeah, but. And and I had one where I forgot my lines. Boy, does that suck. Have you ever forgot something in the middle of a performance?
1: Yeah, there's there's been times where I'll, I've forgotten like chords or like get thrown off and can't like find my way back on track and yeah, it's it's embarrassing and you just feel like, "Oh my god, how do I get this to end or how do I get myself back where I should be?" Right.
0: That happened to me maybe a couple times when we first started or like before that too. But mm-hmm. yeah, we were talking about the other day, that one Local H song, I couldn't figure out. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And one time my my high E string broke mm-hmm. and and that uh, caused an issue. I actually just played yesterday
1: and I broke a string while we were playing. But now since I'm like so much more comfortable, I just like, I went right through it. I finished the solo and then I switched my guitars and I was just finished the song. It was cake. Yeah, that's you awesome. Get, you get you learn how to just accept the fact that you're gonna fuck up. There's no way around it. So just it's all about the recovery at that point.
0: Right, right. That that takes a little bit of experience, but mm-hmm. I know I know exactly what you mean. Um what things like was there anything you related performing to when you first started, or was it a totally hmm. new experience? Man,
1: it I think it was totally new. I like you said I played sports, but I never played sports. At, like, a high level. I only ever played, like, really rec league. And I never really did anything. I did, like, drama in middle school. But that still, is, it wasn't a big deal, I don't think. There's really nothing like getting on a stage, I don't think, and playing, playing like, guitar. And it's something yeah. I, I, especially when I first started, I was not super confident in it. I Like, it was, it was very difficult for me to to do. And I'm like a really shy and quiet guy. So it was kind of hard to, to be in the spotlight.
0: But. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I related it a lot to stand up comedy. And mm-hmm. because at the time I was doing jujitsu and MMA and all that, I kind of just related it to the, the risk slash humility slash like courage kind of, it takes to go out there. And because mm-hmm. that's a one-on-one thing, like that's an individual, uh, sport. And, and so, it's that same with like stand-up comic, you know, individual, that sort of thing. But yeah, man, it takes a lot of uh, a courage. So it was very new to you that I noticed that is something that a lot of good musicians probably struggle with early on is to find that that lack of uh, shame and humility or, mm-hmm. or handle it well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because,
1: yeah, when you're first starting, you want to be perfect. Like you want to think that everything you can do everything perfectly. And it's right. like it can be a real like throw off to mess something up and yeah.
0: All right. So let's let's take this uh back a notch with with influences, things Mm -hmm. that kind of make you who you are. Looking back like like an elementary school man, do you (laughs) remember what was like the biggest things that you like, give me a few things that were just huge, whether or not they literally shaped you, but what was something you were into? It could be embarrassing as shit. Like people I I collected TY beanie babies a little bit when I was younger.
1: Uh I did that when uh yeah, like I I collect like me and my sisters had pretty big beanie baby collections. Yeah,
0: yeah when you got sisters, I mean I didn't have sisters. I had a couple friends that were that were girls and uh yeah, everyone just did that yeah, shit. Yeah, that when was, I was like young. a big
1: thing with <laughs>
0: huge. Weird, yeah. yeah. Um so what kind of music was what were you Man, into young?
1: I was I was not honestly really super into music when I was young. I I liked like I mean, I kind of like the 90s rock stuff, because that's what my mom would listen to in the car. And like, so that's what I kind of that's probably why I still like that now. And but I never, and like pop is what I I would just listen to the radio. I was never really into like listening to albums and like really diving into music until I until I was like 18, probably. Yeah, when I got that's like when I started playing guitar, and I started really diving into music.
0: Which parent do you think you're more like?
1: Mm-hmm. like just in general?
0: Yeah. Pro- I'm probably more like
1: my dad, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. F-
0: did, was he a big influence like growing up or you just think you're more similar? Yeah,
1: I, he was. I think I always connected more with him and all. I mean, I, I connected with my Sorry mom, mom if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. I just thought like he was into baseball and sports and basketball and that's what it, I was always into. And we would always like bond over that. And I mean, yeah, like, I used to really like to hang out with my mom. It's it's weird when I was like a little little kid, I used to like totally be a mama's boy, and I really like would tell my dad I didn't really like him, which is <laughs> brutal. <Yeah>. Kids, <laughs> but, kids can say. Yeah, that shit. I know. I was like I was really young though, um, but as I grew up, like and started getting into sports and stuff and more into that my dad became like a bigger influence in my life and I think we connected a lot more and now I definitely think I connect more to my dad but or I am definitely more like him yeah in a lot of ways
0: now yeah see growing up I I mean when I was younger I mean I definitely was very into stuff my dad was into for Mm -hmm. a long time but there was a period where I just lived with my dad my brother and I I had an older brother. I'm. I, mean, I have an older brother. I'm <laughs> very influenced by, and they were. They were always into stuff that I thought was cool—music, movies, kind of personality-wise. So, like, I definitely can see ways that I'm like my dad. And as I get older, I recognize it more and more. I'm mm. unlike both of my parents, but it's obvious the ways that I'm influenced by my dad. It's. It's funny how that works you know it it's a weird thing man like uh it it's maybe harder to recognize in your family but like who do you if you have to think of like coolest do, do you just get immediately drawn to musicians when you think of like the coolest most influential people was there like a teacher that really helped shape you
1: hmm. honestly i don't i don't think so, like are you talking about music wise or just no, in anything of,
0: any, man because like that that's one that people don't necessarily unpack or think about but i was so influenced by a few of my teachers man yeah. like i connected with them and i like wanted that because yeah, i was a bad student in a lot of my classes right. but like my drama teacher man she was just the i, I loved her to death she was the Perfect. She did everything she thought was right. Was like just such a good, caring role model. Was also cool and understanding, and like didn't, you know, she didn't really care that I was a bad kid or whatever. Right. You know, she, <laughs> she 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 liked a lot of things and was helpful. And I wanted to do right by her. Like it was the type of bond that a bad kid still wants to do right by, right. That's, by her. That's
1: like a sign of a good
0: teacher. Can motivate even the the bad kids to do right. Yes, man, and that. That is huge. I like to try to remember that when I'm around uh, kids or or in, in, people who mm-hmm. are easily influenced or new at something, and you can be a mentor, is just how much of an impact you can have. You know, it, it sounds like stereotypical, but when I when I was doing like powerlifting, the coach used to always say, you know, he would give us all of his time, all the help he could, and he just said, "There's nothing better." Than than planting seeds, than like right. then like planting seeds from from who you are, and and letting others take on the good you have to offer or the information you've hmm. learned, and uh, yeah, it, that's
1: interesting. Yeah, that's a good
0: like a good little yeah. Have you ever heard of the saying like this? This might be like a sign of a good coach or whatever people kind of talk about it with. But my ceiling is your floor.
1: Huh? No, I never heard that. That's that's interesting too.
0: Right, I mean, it's not. it's maybe it's a, a bit sense. It's a bit hyper. You know, it's right. a bit of hyperbole. But um, I, I like thinking about that. In that, like, as far as you've taken something, or as far, as you, whatever you're the embodiment of, the ability to just kind of with a, a relay of a baton. B- b- what do you call it? B- <laughs> uh, but like a you know passing a baton to the next person in like a relay race or whatever you're able to just let them pick up where you left off and then take it in their own yeah, direction. And then they can add onto it with whatever they are. That's interesting, yeah. That definitely can be, I think, the case in good coaching and in good teaching. Right. Uh, you know, I had a creative writing teacher that got me into the slam poetry stuff. And de- my, definitely my drama teacher made me interested in performing, got me interested in like, you know, I was able to make movies in high school, We had this thing where this is cool as shit, dude. I don't know if normal people like hearing this uh, had this sort of thing. But in high school, when I was a senior, you could write your own curriculum and do what was called an independent study class. So I was in two independent study classes senior year and two teachers allowed us. Now, this is this takes a lot out of them, too. I don't think they got paid extra for this, but it was called an independent study. And they let you study certain, like, they let you basically pick a subject or or something you wanted to learn about. You present them the curriculum. They will grade things. They will give you a grade. But you're pretty much on your own to do these projects and do your own thing.
1: That's a really cool idea. That's a way to get kids interested in learning, like, because you're learning what you want to learn. I get that it's difficult for the teachers and it would be hard if, like, every kid had their own curriculum. But... That that makes it way more interesting for the students. (laughs) And
0: and the guy that I did this, so we had a. It was me and my buddy Jared, and we had a film study class with our with this uh, social studies teacher, Mr. Scarborough, who honestly is a big influence on me. Musically, as far as like he was really into grunge stuff and loved sharing mm-hmm. things. He knew who Mark Lanigan was. Right. He was very, very cool. Mad Season, mm-hmm. and he told me one time like he played guitar and he sang over it, and then somebody was like, "Well, I can't sing. I can only play guitar." And he goes, "Well, anybody can sing." <laughs> and so he, like, he, may, I, that stuck with me right. all these years. Yeah, Little yeah, things yeah. like that stick with you, man. Yeah, it, it's so. crazy. You might even forget that it sticks with you, right. and that's what. But so he let us do a film study class where we basically, we chose decades. We would come up with a PowerPoint presentation. We would uh, each pick individual movies to write a report on. So we had like, we covered decades of movies and then we did a PowerPoint. Each of us did a PowerPoint on the, maybe we did a combined PowerPoint and then we each did individual pieces. And then we, we did a, a speech at the end of each quarter on these topics or something like that. Right. well, the, the other one was a filmmaking class, and my buddy and I made a movie each semester. So we wrote a movie, prepared to shoot it, all that, one quarter. And then the next quarter, we shot, slashed, edited, and you know we made we made movies we made two movies um senior year (laughs) and and i wanted to go to film school man like i wanted to but i knew it wasn't quite for me and i just wasn't dedicated enough in school or that interested in putting in all the legwork but coincidentally my friend jared he now works in film he's that's awesome (laughs) yeah he he worked on when we did the color me funny shorts when i was Mm. in that, that the comedy sketch thing he uh filmed and edited a lot of the stuff we did there but he works i think this is the problem about film school. You you go into film school, you learn about making movies and then like if if you don't have the means or the networking or whatever or I mean I definitely not that he's not ambitious but it takes a certain type of ambition to become a filmmaker as opposed to just being like an assistant producer into right. a stagehand into this and then maybe editing or whatever but he works as like a teleprompter guy for like high end people, but it's all under his film background. Like he went to Towson for film and now that's what he does. So like that class alone, like that thing that we did, me and him connecting, we both loved movies. Boom. Let's make movies. Next thing, you know, we're making movies. Um, and, and actually when we made movies, uh, my drama teacher made it a project for, for drama four to make a movie, uh, like as a, as a thing in, in our drama four class. So it even shaped our drama four class. That was at the first time they ever did that unit, me being into slam poetry and also having the strong connection with my drama teacher. She started doing a slam poetry, uh, unit and like a section in her curriculum, Hmm. at least for a little while. So it's little things like that. Like I wound up going to national slam poetry and, 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 you know, doing like a little mini tour with my buddy, Steve. And the only reason we got into this thing is because our creative writing teacher was on, you know, was in the Baltimore DC slam scene and was on the national team and was going to Baltimore every week. And he invited us out, dude. He let us come out as high schoolers and see him in this element where they're drinking, they're, you know, they're getting out of their shell. They're talking about adult topics and we're just high schoolers. And and it really helped shape us. It's crazy. The things that, that, make you become who you are or at least i feel fortunate because i'm somebody who's gotten into a lot of things but it could have been very differently
1: yeah i i can't imagine a teacher like doing like letting kids come out and or inviting kids out to see them yeah i I never i don't even i don't think i had teachers that were that influential i definitely had teachers that i loved and i liked the classes and i liked the subjects and they made me want to work harder but i i don't know if they like influenced my my entire life or like a I don't know if I still look back on them and think that they gave me something. I mean, that doesn't mean they didn't, but I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's definitely, that's, that's something I, those are like the types of thoughts sometimes I have while I'm driving. I also think of like the, the kids I looked up to when I was younger, like the older (laughs) kids who they might've been lame as shit, but you wanted to be like that person. You wanted to, I I always thought of, I'll tell you something else. I'm into the fighting thing. And and MMA and all that, and I think that just being into WWF as a young kid was like my spark into that. I loved wrestling. Did you ever watch wrestling growing up? No, I never watched that. Yeah, so I think that that definitely skews your view on fighting. Because number one, as a young kid you think that's real fighting that you're watching. So if you embody it to the fullest, you just inevitably get, I mean, and being into movies, it definitely, I liked like Jackie Chan shit and right. Jean-Claude Van Damme. I definitely like that, but that is something that I think a lot of people see differently. Um, we actually, were going to cover that some, we talked about maybe talking about fighting in a future uh, episode and yeah. Yeah, it, I, I want to talk a little bit more on the influences, but I don't mm-hmm. want to go, I don't want to uh, kill people's ears, and it's okay if we don't go literally too deep our first few episodes. Um, it, how do you feel about, like, in your friend group, uh, let, me, let me think of something as far as, like, things that can, like, really, 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 are, are there any, like, big moments in your life, that you think might have, maybe even like serious, like almost traumatic in a way where you're like very shaped by this thing. Like I'm definitely a kid of a divorced family. Like probably very similar to that. This is one. Oh, I thought of it. Do you, my buddy mentioned something the other day about the way he like, feels bad about things or something and he referred to it as well that's just that freaking heavy catholic guilt i have because he grew up catholic yep
1: yeah i, th- I feel like i have that too i grew up catholic and that's uh,
0: <laughs> right yeah. me too and i never thought about I, yeah. up to this day i never thought about how growing up catholic could have shaped who i am that's definitely
1: a good point that is like influential in a different way <laughs> but yeah you you get this guilt about things that you don't even think are bad anymore, but you were just, as a kid, you've always been told were were bad and yeah. wrong. Yeah.
0: <laughs> do you think you carry a, you think you carry a heavy slice of that?
1: I do. I, cause I, I was like raised Catholic, went to Catholic school. My mom went to church with us every Sunday and like, I believed in it up until I was up until like I went to college pretty much. So I think it plays a, a pretty big role in like, it does give me some guilt or some residual feelings of like weirdness. Sometimes like I still feel like some of my attitudes towards things have been shaped like that or are like an overcorrection of trying to go in the other direction of that. So it's like, right.
0: Absolutely. I was just thinking about how the juxtaposition shift because like when I started getting more into the edgier, uh, very non almost anti-religious sort of themes mm-hmm. with like the types of music and the influences. And I remember, this is so lame, dude, the stuff you do when you're younger. But I remember in ninth grade, I wrote on my, my wrote on my binder. This is so embarrassing. Atheist pride. <laughs> and I like had little things on there. I don't know what, but like, you know, would God, blah, 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 blah. Or, what, what I don't even yeah. want to say. what the, I'm I can't remember. I don't want to remember. But I was very outwardly atheist. And you see that a lot. Uh, people who feel heavily or think heavily about religion and then they, they shift. It's like sometimes they go so right. in the opposite direction. And I mean, I don't really have a heavy swing on it anymore. And I don't really consider it too much. But, but that's a huge one. Growing up in, in a certain religion, that shapes it. I appreciate, maybe not necessarily heavy amounts of Catholic guilt, but I do like the fact that it kind of is a level of self-awareness and it, it makes me think critically on things that some people do not think on. I at least think, I'm sure most people do this, whether or not they grew up heavily Catholic, but there is a way to think critically critically and connecting it to morals morally critical does that make sense yeah so like i definitely judge myself and others in a way that is like definitely held to a standard oh, yeah, of I like the same thing <laughs> being a good person yeah yeah i mean non religious people do, definitely yeah, do that too yeah you can have morals without good parents too. probably yeah. instill some of those values yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever but it was funny that he said that. And I'm like, oh my God, like what character does Catholic guilt bring out in people? What is that? And I was like, that was like a whole new thing for me to think about that yeah. I had never considered. So what, what led you to not being really like, what was it? Do you remember like a pivotal moment? I don't know. I
1: I honestly don't know. I, like I went to college and in the beginning I was going to church like I still went to church and I and then at some point I just kind of stopped it, like going to church but I still felt like I believed in God it, to some extent. You know, I think honestly a lot of the reason I stopped being Catholic or think identifying with Catholicism was cuz like a lot of the ideologies conflicted with mine like being extremely like anti-gay and like you ev- like just being really stuck in like a very antiquated mindset and i was like getting more liberal and and thinking that like gay marriage was okay and stuff and it really kind of shook me that that the just the dissonance between our like the viewpoints and i think that's kind of what led me to start questioning it more and thinking if that was really what i believed in and then it was just slowly like stop going to church stopped like thinking god was real you know right Psychedelics kind of made me feel like God wasn't real, too. (laughs) So that
0: that was what I, the last thing, and whether it's the last thing or not, we talk about is I am a person that is very influenced by both. I am very much a person who never did drugs or anything <laughs> that, and i am yeah. very much a person who is influenced by doing them
1: that's exactly how i was growing up i never did drugs i never touched this stuff i didn't when i was like younger i didn't even want to drink like when i was up until i was like 18 or 19 i was like i don't i don't ever want to drink it's stupid right and like or, did you
0: ever identify a straight edge
1: yeah definitely i would identify a straight edge probably until i was like 19 i thought i, I would say i was straight edge like
0: right I was very in those scenes. Like, musically, I was, like, I had a lot of straight-edge hardcore friends because we Mm -hmm. both didn't do any sort of uh, (laughs) drugs, you know. And I thought, I I definitely always have thought that that pot and psychedelics are cool in a way. Um, I was always worried about the idea of how, like, the stereotypical lazy pothead and maybe the stereotypical... Mm -hmm. Crazy. I had a bad acid trip. Yeah.
1: They they all, people always try to scare you with like that, that you have one bad acid trip and it'll like totally ruin your life. And, but I don't know anyone who that's ever really happened to. Not saying it doesn't happen, but I think it's a lot
0: rarer than people want to make it out to be.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, it, it definitely can happen. I, I almost, I almost always recognize a large amount of destructive. Uh, personality traits or g- g- like activities going around the people who have these bad acid mm, experiences that, that
1: makes sense they probably have a lot of like co- like in their head uh, some kind of tr- trauma or just turmoil that is right. coming out in the acid trip and the- makes them actually think about stuff and
0: Probably you're probably at high risk if you're taking a lot of other drugs that uh, that mess with your serotonin. That might, oh like, yeah, you know, true, man, yeah. That induce mania or or already or mm-hmm. kind of loosening the screws. Um, you actually, when we first met, I believe you had never done psychedelics, right? I,
1: that's right. We yeah, I I, I did the, I tripped the first time when we had met. I hadn't. I had always been interested. I was like starting to be interested in it for like the past couple years before I did it, but I really didn't know anyone who did it or like offered me any, and then I did. And I was like, yeah, I definitely want to try it. And-
0: acid was the first thing you did, right? Uh-huh. Right. Because I saw you had never, we hadn't done the DMT yet, right? Right. So you had just done Acid and you did it with your friends.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then that that one was a pretty influential one for you.
1: Oh yeah, because that, my that first trip, it was like, it was amazing. I thought it just changed how I thought about things and like, it, it just like reinvigorated me, I feel like.
0: Yeah, It were you playing music your first time?
1: Mm-hmm. That's pretty much like what we did. We just kind of, we took acid and we just kind of jammed, tried to write, just talked about stuff, but mostly just, it's like the, during like the, when I was peaking, I was pretty much just alone playing guitar though. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that that's something that I think is a good like general idea for anybody who's doing something early on and has never experienced psychedelics. Like, like get everything set up to do something you like doing mm-hmm. and are excited to do it, even if it doesn't feel overly psychedelic of a thing to do. Like, maybe playing music obviously sounds like something that that could uh, have a good synergy with it. But mm-hmm. like, I mean, if you like working out you probably will be able to you know have a very enjoyable time doing a workout tripping or like that's like a good way to maybe at least start it off
1: yeah that's uh, yeah I, I never felt that good playing guitar either and there's something completely different about the way i was playing and like how i felt and how how i was thinking and everything it was it was crazy
0: his do you think acid's been the most influential on your music as far as uh, psychedelics go
1: yeah, probably because I've also like written a lot. It's it's opened me up to like write lyrics that I kind of like more than any other psychedelic.
0: You know what I notice about a lot of uh, trippy bands and people, it's not that often that they want to admit that these things. Uh, have influenced
1: them Mm -hmm. heavily because I think they're afraid of of what people think or maybe not. I don't know.
0: Well, maybe it's a threat to their ego to say that the the drug to give credit, right? Like to give credit or even if their thing is, I mean, even if their thing's cocaine, like a lot of people can't operate without something like that. And they need Mm -hmm. that. And deep down, they know that this is their inspiration, but they're not going to say that, you know, that's true. Yeah. For, for me, man, um, I would say psychedelics definitely has made me a little more creative and obviously draw from different perspective but what it really has done has shaped me uh spiritually mm-hmm. and maybe the way that the way that uh my bigger picture on life and outlook and ability to You know, make the most of certain things, not sweat certain things, not get too caught up or head down like these thought never ending destructive thought loops or it's a much shorter period of time that I will. This is a really good one, dude. I credit. I know that if it wasn't for um, smoking pot and psychedelics and that sort of thing, I probably would be more intermittently obese. I am much less addicted to the notion of eating. I have much better control over my eating and almost always when I say, "Okay, dude, it's time to stop gaining weight. It's time, you know, you've been pigging out the past few weeks. You've you've bloated up and you've gained 20 pounds, whatever. It's time to to get it back on track." I have not been what I consider like obviously fat since I started smoking pot and doing psychedelics i have not not at all and before i would be within a year's time i might be borderline obese twice in that year Hmm. you know that was something that was something that influenced me like people see maybe if they see me in shape or like uh maybe they think that certain things come easy natural athlete whatever but but spending a duration of time being obese, feeling like you need to compensate for something, having like this uh, negative image of yourself. I remember one time I was maybe like 16 or 17 and or maybe it was when I first started losing weight. I, I started losing weight when I was 17 and initially lost like 100 pounds uh, in like that year's time in a couple different chunks. But I remember hearing that you develop most of your confidences around or by the age of 14. Hmm. You know, I mean who knows, but right. but th- that was the general idea and I was like, "Damn." And and you know, it probably has been a slow pulling back of like not being self-conscious in the ways that I was and not identifying as that person, but it's taken a lot of conditioning and a lot of time and a lot of experience to uh get out of that mindset which you know or like the the insecurities that i had from being right. that way so and i'm definitely i definitely am more sensitive maybe to the way i see myself or like the way i feel when i start slipping up when i start eating poorly regularly or, or whatever um you are more in
1: tune with like your headspace or like how you're feeling and thinking I, at least i feel like Doing psychedelics made me more aware of like how like my thought processes and my normal like headspace and like how it how it changes and how that affects my behaviors and stuff and
0: Yeah. So like this is um a good example of this was I talk a good bit about on that that psychedelic athlete thing, which mm-hmm. is uh, you know, the Instagram page I have. Um It. I started thinking about the idea of mindfulness more as far as like being outspoken Mm. about the mindfulness that you use or the approach. And I remember when I was younger and I started hearing about mindfulness, I was like, well, how can I even remember to be mindful? Like, how can I, how does this even work? I couldn't even fathom kind of like running on concepts or running on different sorts of like, sorts of like, uh, you know, almost like modes or, or different yeah. embodiments. And psychedelics has made it so easy to kind of channel certain energies, certain ways of being, personality, character.
1: Definitely. I did like, I did like this mindfulness therapy when I, when I was like 18 or 19. And I used to hate it so much. I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world. And like, I thought it was like a joke. But now I like find myself, When I'm getting like stressed out, like to try and be mindful and like to try and use those techniques to like just calm myself. And it's crazy. It's probably a lot
0: easier to use it, right? Like that's probably why they call it woke. (laughs) Yeah, It's probably way easier to be mindful. Um, And I'll tell you what I credit some of it to is the fact that time slows down. So it's like, you know, you have like frames per second Mm -hmm. when you are, I mean, there's a lot of factors here. You definitely trigger certain thoughts that sort of never leave or you're able to Mm -hmm. relate to ways that you've been opened up to. And it does, there is a literal thing that happens. Psychedelics affect pathways in the brain and and things fire differently and connect and you associate things, um, your your sort of um, analogies or your ability to relate things to other things. But but uh, I think there's definitely a factor in that experiencing life at more frames per second, more thoughts per second. There's very something, there's something weird when your sense of time slows down. Like that's something you've experienced a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know that feeling. <laughs> we know, we now know what it's like for time to slow down and you to have like split seconds where you think about so much yep. <laughs> and you're so aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's it's all thinking. Like the, the more you are like the deeper you are in a psychedelic experience, you literally become your thoughts, yeah. your mind. Nothing else exists. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's so it, it's undoubtedly mindful. And I I forget about it. the other thing I notice is like the epiphanies you feel remind me so much of like philosophy and uh sort of like shit some Confucius type things yeah, or like definitely. the Dao. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know like Alan Watts is? Yeah, yeah. Somebody that would just say things like he had, would have a quote and he's like, you know, you can't define yourself. It's or trying to define yourself as like trying to eat your teeth or bite your teeth or right. whatever. Like I mean he has that's probably not one of his best quotes, but uh he uh, has a lot of these like bigger picture things, and I would have these sort of epiphanies that sounded like the shit that these people would write. Yeah. And I started realizing and recognizing that there's an obvious influence on these drugs into having thoughts like that, because most of the people who did a lot of psychedelics were saying a lot of the conclusions and saying a lot of the things that I had been considering since I did them. Hmm. So that's like something I try to think about a lot. Is like, in what ways am I different for having done these things? What ways do do psychedelics influence right. somebody? I mean, they make you process past traumas potentially. Mm-hmm. They make you come to terms with certain things. Mm-hmm. They make you have a different vision for the future. The the ability to see possibilities. Definitely.
1: Yeah, I feel like it changed my vision for the future too. You like, or it like. I felt like it gave me an idea of what I, what I actually wanted to be like in the future.
0: Right. Right. And I, I think that, uh, the other thing is just, um, it, it definitely makes you think these things that are, uh, I don't know philosophical might not existential mm. I don't know the right word man but but it is of that nature and you are inevitably instead of observing it from the third person instead of reading it and understanding it instead of hearing people seeing movies that are like this listening to poetry that's like this you are it's now erupting out of you right, it's
1: like a first-hand experience of your, your own yes. like thoughts
0: whether you've seen it or read it or not you now have had these thoughts that when you recognize them, you're like, oh, I've thought this before. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've I've thought this way. So that and you know what? Let's uh, let's wrap up with since we're talking about this, the, a big one for me that um, is probably a bit more of a dirty thing to talk about as far as uh, drugs go. But for me, I am I have got to say MDMA or MDA, what people call in like the street, Molly. But it's it's a when I first heard about it, the reason I was interested is because they're do they were doing clinical trials and like uh, tests or whatever they were they were treating people with PTSD from from military this program called MAPS um, mm-hmm. and it's this psychedelic thing they were treating people with MDMA in therapy sessions. And it was helping them come to terms. And I think I heard a podcast of somebody firsthand talking about it. And I was like, you know what? That is one that I want to try at some point. Because I don't know what will come of it. I don't know what. But but that has to be an experience that probably would be very beneficial. I didn't want to just go to a rave and do Molly or whatever. <laughs> but, man, the, the, the few times we have done it, do you think that is like a life-changing... Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that honestly... Yeah, that, that changes your life in a different way. It makes you realize that things can be like so cool and so good, and you can feel really so amazing like in a way that I never thought was possible for myself to feel, honestly.
0: Yeah, and you know what I have learned from it and something that I've learned, and it honestly is probably a good mantra or a good way to handle drugs well or learn from them and not necessarily through them, is the independence and the taking what you've learned from this and implementing into your own life? Like mm-hmm. it's hard to say, all right, take what you've learned from psychedelics and implement it into your own life, unless you have like a very literal, like, oh, you need to do this, or I feel like I, this is my future, I need to do this career shift. Mm-hmm. But but Molly, Molly, MDMA shows you a, a slice of personality. That you tell yourself, I want to be more like this.
1: Yeah, that's also definitely and it's wanna possible. Be,
0: yeah. I it, want to have this energy to do things that I want to do, but it's not like coke energy, or it's not like a a, a, a false. It's like a a, a good energy it's like for things. A
1: natural energy just amplified, more, yeah. more So like
0: and it has a very positive vision for Mm -hmm. yourself and you you have a lightness on how you analyze sort of anything you Mm -hmm. could probably handle almost any bad situation and i i remember telling myself like okay i want to take about one to two percent of this experience and this nature and Integrated into my life because this is not a drug I want to do regularly. This is not something I could ever see myself wanting to depend on, or mm-hmm. but I want to be shaped. I want to be shaped by this experience.
1: Like yeah, of course.
0: I want to feel more like this. And to be honest, I I feel like that has been very, very monumentally life-changing for me to be uh inspired by and and shaped and maybe it did help me deal with a lot of traumas or a lot of like a negative thought or depression or whatever that I wasn't even aware that I totally had or mm-hmm. personality trait that I didn't even know I had L- allowing myself to experience life like that and to have a self that was like that was so life changing man so yeah, life changing
1: definitely to know that that exists inside of you somewhere that you can uh, like you said, like one to two percent of it, or so, a little bit out at some point. Right, it, it's very reassuring to know. And it's
0: easier to connect with. Like, like it's very easy to connect with the way it feels, unlike psychedelics. Like you mm-hmm. can't just, you can't just honestly even than pot. Like you can't just tell yourself to like almost imagine the feeling of <laughs> yeah. being even stoned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do it. It's abstract. It's hard yeah. to identify. Uh, with when you're sober but you can definitely do it with with Mm -hmm. molly and mdma it's very easy to be like that i could act like that (laughs) it's like the fake it till you make it if you can act like it if you can feel it or whatever then you kind of are doing it and if you know that it's better and if you it might be hard to literally have the the actual energy the the caffeine like bump, but but the the sort of thoughtful shapes Mm -hmm. um are i think easy to Know what it's like to be like. I could easily be like, oh, you know, I'm gonna go have a conversation with that guy, kind of like the way I feel when I'm a like. I'm gonna break the ice like in the the same nature I would there. I'm gonna look at them with with the acceptance and and sort of love almost that's coming out right. of you and appreciation that I would when I'm like that, and then they become a reflect. What the thing that sh- sh- fucks with me so much on that is I realize the way people become reflections of your yep. energy. When you put good energy out, they, they reciprocate it. It's never too much for them. It's not like you're annoying them because mm-hmm. you're connecting and you feel right. for them. It's a very empathetic and, and connective sort mm-hmm. of thing. So as long as you don't overdo it, which we don't we don't really overdo it like that, um when we've done it, it it's it's made me have some of the best conversations I've yep. ever had with people. And
1: the and like that starts like a or like makes a friendship or a relationship that continues on like you started with that one conversation or you build your relationship with that conversation. And then it like keeps going. You and know? it
0: makes honestly, dude, it really makes them usually feel good. They yeah, like, yeah. they like the energy you're putting mm-hmm. off there. It's not too much. It's not to any direction. It's playful and light enough. So mm-hmm. if you are kind of being a bit too much, it's not in the same way that somebody gets on your nerves when they're yeah, all yeah. fucking, I always go back to Coke, but Coke people, <laughs> Coke kids are so fucking annoying, dude. <laughs> but it's not like that. So yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to say on this? I don't think so I think I'm good, yeah you know we're about to get to the hour mark, so I think we should just end it cap it under an hour we should try and make the first few under an hour and see how cool. it goes so uh you know it is what it is episode episode by episode we'll we'll find an identity and kind of get the ball rolling. I just wanted to get something out there it's one of those things you just gotta put it out there mm-hmm. we didn't we we planned some we thought about it some and as we go we'll, we'll get enough feedback or we'll kind of analyze ourselves and figured figured out enough but at the end of the day we just needed to get the ball rolling so if you listened and made it through thank you let us know what we think Uh, you know but we'll uh, keep keep you we'll we'll keep we'll keep you fed with some episodes here soon we'll probably I imagine try to have something recorded where we can at least have one release about once a week something like that maybe more as we get going yeah So cool. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. And thank you guys for listening.